Hello and welcome to Strong Habits, the accidentally feminist fitness podcast on all things training, nutrition and mindset. I'm your host, Penny Varvaridis, and this is episode 54. We are a few days into lockdown two. In the UK, well, we're in the UK, I don't know if anyone else is in lockdown two, I guess lots of people probably are. Anyway, it's all a little bit deja vu, only... It doesn't actually feel as lockdowny as it did the first time. Besides, this has been a pretty big weekend, what with bonfire night and then lockdown too, and oh yes, America voting in its first female vice president, Kamala Harris. And not only is she the first woman taking the role, but she's also the first black or South Asian person. This is a big history weekend, folks. Solid step forwards for America. Now, obviously, the president is still another old white man, but we have to take the wins where they come. As with anything, progress isn't linear. Whether we're talking about progress in terms of diet or strength gains, or progress in terms of politics and human rights. America's last big step forwards was immediately followed by a giant step back, so I'm not one to get too excited about good news anymore. I mean, look at the UK. It has been such a long time since we had any sort of good news politically, I'm starting to think it might never happen. I'm just hoping that all the right-wing extremists in the UK who have been bolstered by Trump over the last four years crawl back into their little holes and disappear. And I mean, if you're listening to this, wondering why I'm talking about politics when it's a fitness podcast, I would like to remind you that everything is politics. Politics is how we live and who gets treated like they matter. And if it isn't clear, I believe everyone should be treated like they matter, not just rich white men. Anyway, I'm sure you've all been just as glued to your screens watching the results come in over the last few days as I have, so... I'll stop. And I'm assuming that you're here listening to me talk, then you're probably also pleased with the results because people attract people who are similar so I'm just going to move on to the fitness. Today is going to be a Q&A episode so I'll just go straight in to the questions now. Neve asked how do you fit training into darker days? This is a really good question and I know for sure it's something that most guys do not have to think about when it comes to running in winter. Going out for a run in the dark is scary in a world where men grow up believing that they can do whatever they want. So, here are a few tips for getting your runs and walks in over the next few months. Firstly, just save your longer runs for the weekends. That way, you know that you can go out in the morning and have plenty of daylight to run in. Try and plan your short weekday runs into your lunch breaks where possible, or arrange to run with a couple of friends so that you can stick together. This comes with the added benefit of accountability. There's nothing quite like making a plan with someone else that makes it much harder to get out and much easier even to get out and do the thing, harder to blow someone off. It's easy to blow something off when you're doing it for yourself, but when it's for someone else, now you have some responsibility. 
If you're working from home, it's a lot easier to squeeze a lunchtime run in than if you have to actually go to a place of work. So for anyone who is working from home through the pandemic or even just always, that's just what you do, then definitely make the most of that. And if your work has rules about you being on your computer at certain times so that you're logged on, maybe just have a chat with your boss about a defined break time in the middle of the day so you can go outside. I can't see why it would matter in most instances, so long as you still get your work done, so hopefully your boss is reasonable and you can have this conversation. Now, Neve also asked how to resist the sugar trap, and I quote, once opened, hard to close. Something I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, you know, and this is why it's so nice to answer these questions on the podcast, not just in your check-in replies, because so many of you will be struggling with the same things and not necessarily think to ask the question. The biggest thing when it comes to gaining self-control around certain foods is to destroy the rhetoric of good and bad. The idea that there is anything inherently wrong with eating sugary things. Yes, eating so much sugar that you go over your calories isn't helpful if you're trying to lose weight. Or so much sugar that you don't eat any vegetables isn't great in terms of health. But eating some sugar is fine. The poison is in the dose. Is that a saying? It doesn't sound right. I don't know. A bit of sugar is okay. So what if you stop telling yourself that you can't have it? What if you stop telling yourself once you've opened it that you may as well finish it so that it's out of the way just so you can start again after? What if you just accounted for a treat as part of your diet every day? So that it's not naughty or special or different. It's just the thing that you enjoy that you eat. Once you take the power away from something... It's easier to have some and then stop. I want you to get into the habit of being intentional. This is actually the theme for your lockdown programme. So as of tomorrow or probably when you're listening to this, you're going to have a couple of videos from me talking about intentionality. I want you to start pausing before you do things and actually asking yourself out loud what your intention is. Out loud is important. It's hard to ignore out loud. In your head is easy to ignore. You walk up to the biscuits and you think, oh biscuits, should I be eating the biscuits? But you've eaten the biscuits before you've even noticed. But if you get to the biscuits and you're like, do I want another biscuit? What is my intention? Oh well Penny, you don't actually need another biscuit, you're just eating it because you're bored or you're sad or you're lonely or whatever, why don't you put the biscuits down and call your friend? I want you to start asking yourself questions. Ask yourself if you actually want another one. Ask yourself if having this thing will help you achieve your goals. Ask yourself why you want it. Do you actually want it or do you want something else? The better you get to know yourself, the easier it becomes to not just mindlessly eat things because they're there. Ask yourself what you actually want. Are you bored? lonely stressed are you eating to distract yourself from feeling what can you do to address what you're actually feeling so that you're not numbing all of the feels this is why i try and encourage you to journal every night it gives you a chance to get to know your why get to focus your attention The more you understand your values and motivations, the easier it becomes to make decisions that are guided by them. 
And spending time each day reflecting on what went well, what didn't go well, and what you're going to do tomorrow allows you to build the self-efficacy you need to get shit done. Hopefully that was helpful. So Sarah W asked if intermittent fasting was safe with PCOS. Intermittent fasting is, for those who don't know, when you alternate between a fed and fasted state. So in research it can vary from fasting for hours or days, often in practice it actually tends to mean skipping a meal. When we eat foods containing carbs and or protein, our body releases insulin. This controls glucose in our body and it moves it around to where it needs to go. Technically, a fasted state is when your insulin levels have dropped back down after a meal, but this can take around 12 hours. So really it's a gap that's between dinner and breakfast while we're sleeping. That's our common fast of each day, hence break the fast breakfast. You were fasting overnight. I know that was me doing a head explosion hand. So fasting has been shown to positively impact insulin sensitivity. Insulin resistance is a common issue with PCOS, so it could be a positive benefit from fasting. Fasting is also relatively easy in terms of weight loss for a lot of people as by reducing that eating window you reduce your opportunity to get the calories in which can make it easier to stick to a deficit or even to maintenance calories. People with PCOS tend to have much lower BMRs so your basal metabolic rate which is the rate that your body burns calories to function. So this means that people with PCOS burn fewer calories than they would if they did not have PCOS. This makes maintaining or losing weight really damn hard and makes gaining weight really easy. Now part of this could be due to that insulin resistance and something that fasting can help with. But also exercise. If you listen to the episode with Richie you'll know that even just one bout of exercise will improve insulin sensitivity. So if you were able to do some form of exercise every day you would improve your insulin in your body which is kind of incredible. Now, one of the main features of PCOS is hyperandrogenism, so too much testosterone. There is evidence that suggests insulin resistance plays a critical role in the pathophysiology. It's hard to understand the mechanisms involved because there are so many bits at play here, but it does at least seem like lowering insulin levels could lead to lower testosterone levels and thus better management of PCOS symptoms. Intermittent fasting has also been shown to reduce inflammation. Inflammation can make you feel uncomfortable and generally achy and shit, and people with PCOS struggle with chronic low-grade inflammation. This inflammation can also decrease the body's sensitivity to insulin, so it becomes this big circle feeding into itself, making everything a bit more challenging. So there are a number of pros to intermittent fasting, but it's not really suitable for everyone. If you're pregnant or you have a history of disordered eating, then don't do it. And if you're already underweight or you're an athlete of some kind where your goal is to be able to perform well, then again, don't do it. If you're taking prescription medication, then you need to talk to your doctor and ask them, particularly if you're taking anything that does sensitize you to insulin, like metformin. Some people really love intermittent fasting and some people hate it. Personally, I'll go through loops of time where I might just not eat breakfast, so I end up fasting until lunchtime, and then loops where I don't. If you decide to try it and you hate it and you just find that you're hangry all of the time, then it's probably just not the method for you and that's okay. 
There's nothing intrinsically magical about intermittent fasting in terms of weight loss. And in fact, many of the health benefits that you get from fasting can also be achieved by losing weight and doing regular exercise. It's really important that whatever you do is something that you can do and that makes you feel good. Dieting is always hard, especially when you do have PCOS, which makes it harder. And this is where your habits come in on getting into a regular rhythm with your daily walks and daily mobility. And then once that's established, fitting in a couple of workouts a week, regular rhythm with eating smaller meals, maybe swapping a meal for a protein shake or a soup or cutting a meal out or cutting out snacks or alcohol on weekdays, really the method doesn't actually matter so much as what it leads to. And if you can find a way to reduce your calories overall so that you can stick to it for a long enough period of time, that's gonna be much more important than sticking to any particular method religiously until you crack and eat all of the things again. So it's often a case of trial and error sometimes to see what suits you. Now, Jen asked what, why we eat more in the autumn and winter and if it's got something to do with the cold. Now, my theory was that this is something to do with our primitive brain wanting to stockpile calories in case we can't find any food and probably also as a way to fatten ourselves up for the cold winter so that we can stay safe and warm and basically my theory is that we're bears. <laughs> but... I am not a scientist, so I looked it up. <laughs> so there's research from 2006 in seasonal variation in food intake, physical activity, and body weight in a predominantly overweight population. That was the name of the study. Now, this paper found that people would eat more fat in autumn and then eat more carbs in spring with calories peaking in mid-November. People ate less in spring, with an average difference between early May and mid-November being about 90 calories a day. Now, 90 calories doesn't really sound like too much, but when you take that extra 90 calories a day for, say, a whole month, that's 2,700 calories, which would definitely have contributed to the winter weight gain. Now, on top of this, people were the least active in December, and then by February, they were the heaviest. So that shows us this trend between moving less, eating more, gaining weight. Now in spring, people became active again and started eating fewer calories. This 90 calorie a day figure was actually different in older people. So people between 40 and 50 years old had a bigger daily increase and people randomly, uh, maybe not randomly, I don't know, I thought this was interesting, but people who had a high school education or less had the biggest variations in caloric intake across the year. Whereas people who were more educated had a more stable caloric intake across the year. Now, in a discussion on this paper, one of the researchers said that he thought that we are sensitive to light. He says the darker days prompt us to seek food and eat it faster, but other researchers think it's more to do with opportunity. There's more holiday feasting over the winter, better leftovers, fewer opportunities to play outside. Our environment cues us to eat and we associate certain things with food, like the cold. We've spent years associating winter with curling up on the sofa in a blanket with snacks. So now that we're here, trying to build these better habits, we are having to retrain our brains to a degree to break that association 
it's like how we've spent our whole lives linking our menstrual cycle to chocolate. So now we instinctively reach for the chocolate when we're on. But is that because we told ourselves the chocolate story or because our biology specifically wants chocolate? No, it's a story that we told ourselves. And yes, it's also because chocolate makes us feel good and we want to feel good. But if we can change the pattern to do something else that makes us feel good and to replace the food links for different links, I think that we can get to a place where we don't just gain winter weight every year and where we don't just reach for snacks to, I don't know, just because that's what we've always done. Like that's that's the link that we want to break. And building habits is hard and you kind of have to go layer by layer, bit by bit, and it's a process that takes a while. Now obviously this year is going to be a little bit different in terms of the winter weight gain because we're in a pandemic and it's another lockdown and our opportunities to move are less and our stress is more. At least for many people it's more. For others that's less too and for those who get two lesses on that scale you can probably continue to diet or maintain with much greater ease than those with mores. In terms of practical advice just make sure that you're getting enough protein and fibre so that you're not really hungry or going long periods without eating. Make sure that you have some decent snacks around like fruit or Greek yogurt so that you can graze if you want to graze but it's nutritious and it's low calorie and also you're getting your fibre and your protein so bonus win. And just try and make sure that you're still going outside and doing stuff where you can. Now if you find yourself sat there eating mindlessly or instinctively repeating patterns that you've always repeated then it's the same advice that I gave Neve earlier, ask yourself what your intention is check in with yourself what do you actually want and the fact that these two questions kind of ended up with the same answer reiterates why it's so nice to be able to answer these questions in a podcast form because it it's something that I think is going to be really beneficial for everyone for most of what the questions are like if you're struggling with a behavior thing where you keep doing things that you don't mean to or want to or are going against your goals checking in with yourself and asking yourself what you want and what your values are and getting into that habit of asking yourself these questions it makes it so much easier to reduce how often you do things that you do not actually want to do so hopefully that was helpful that's all for today in terms of questions if you did find that helpful and or interesting I would really love it if you a told me because you know it's nice to it's nice to know and not feel like you're talking into a void sometimes and b told other people because also it's nice to be able to reach people that don't already know me now don't forget you can pre-order 30 day bender from my website at pennyvarreaders.com forward slash 30 day bender i'll put the link in the description and if you buy it now it's 50 pounds it's currently with a graphic designer so you'll be able to get your digital hands on it probably next week hopefully it's a 30 day flexibility protocol that will help you squat better and touch your toes as well as work towards things like front squats and pancake It's not just 30 days of stretching either, there's strengthening alongside the stretching to help you keep the range that you're creating. You can also join my new flexibility membership, Group Bender, where you can get videos, a chance to ask questions and make requests. Anyone who buys 30 day Bender gets a 25% discount, and I mean also, don't you think the name is excellent? I do. So, 
message me if you are interested in any of the above and feel free to ask me anything and Christmas is coming so if you want to get someone the gift of movement maybe 30 day bender is the perfect gift for them for this week's fun fact I thought I would share a cool positive news story so there's this New York based startup and they are making eco-friendly rocket fuel I know you're probably thinking what I know I was when I read this on the Good News Network earlier. So last year, this company launched a carbon negative vodka, vodka made of air, water and solar energy. No, I don't understand either, but my mind is blown. So they're now applying this carbon conversion technology to help the space industry be more efficient. Until now, rocket engines have used liquid methane made of natural gas, which is an unsustainable and non-reusable fossil fuel. If this CO2-based rocket fuel was used instead, that would mitigate 715 tonnes of CO2 from being emitted into the atmosphere. That's like a dozen flights between New York and LA. That's pretty cool, friends. That's pretty cool. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to me today, folks. If you enjoy listening to Strong Habits and you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review this episode. It is very helpful, apparently. I don't know yet. I've not had enough rates and reviews to really know, but that's what people say. That's what people say. And if you don't enjoy the podcast, what are you doing here? Go do something else. Don't leave any sort of review. You, you are exempt. You don't have to do it. But everyone else, it would be much appreciated. Until next time, folks.